Welcome to another episode of the App Guy podcast. I'm your host. It's Paul Kemp.、Uh, I am appealing to anyone who wants to be an app entrepreneur, or if you want to work in a startup, this is the podcast and the show for you.、Uh, what I do is I go、uh, around the world and interview various、uh, entrepreneurs. Uh, we learn from them about their journey. So today,、uh, I am returning to San Francisco. It is where everything is happening, and I've got、uh, a guest who is、uh, going to join us. His name is Andrew Benton, and he is the founder of Charge. Co. So you can go to Charge. Co. and、uh, find out uh, about uh, what he's doing. But in the meantime, Andrew, welcome to the App Guy podcast. Thanks, Paul. Thanks very much. Yeah, tell us about Charge. Co. and、uh, how it helps us. Sure. Uh, we started Charge.co about a year ago to emancipate your phone number from the evil clutches of your wireless carrier, and you know we sort of saw two trends leading into having us build that product.、Um, we we believe that most people just want data on their mobile device. They'd rather have their wireless carrier be a, a wireless internet service provider、uh, than Get their phone number and run all their voice minutes and messages through their carrier. The other trend we see is that phone numbers are still important. So, just because you want your mobile device to become a mobile computer doesn't mean you don't want a phone number. So we're sort of seeing those two trends and building a product that lets you switch to a data-only plan on your phone or your iPod or your iPad or even your Android tablet. Um, and still have a phone number that can make voice calls and and, and send text messages. This is fascinating. Yeah, I, I've absolutely see a, a, a need for this because I recently came back from Dubai. I put in a SIM card for the area, and I was inundated with like spammy messages, text messages. You know, I, I don't know how they got hold of my phone number, but、uh, I, I really regretted. You know, and it's really annoying and frustrating. To, to get this, so tell us a little bit more then,、um, how, how it actually works. Yeah, it's、um, it's a little bit like、um, having a, an email address in the cloud, but for your phone number. If you remember a time, maybe ten or fifteen years ago, you would sign up for internet service, you know, in your house, and someone would come and run a wire to your to your house, and they'd plug in the internet, and then they'd give you an email address. It was, you know, in America, it'd be something like Andrew at Comcast.net, and you know, most people would actually use that email address. But over time, you know, people moved; their email address would have to change. There was enough frustration around that that webmail got good enough,、uh, and people actually started using Gmail or you know other Outlook.com email addresses that live with you regardless of what country you happen to be living in, regardless of your connection to the internet. And we see a big opportunity to do the same thing for your phone number. So, you know, in your situation where you're going to and from Dubai,、uh, you would have a phone number that lives in the cloud with your charge account, and you know you could go to Dubai, get on Wi-Fi, get a you know pay-as-you-go data plan when you're there. You don't actually have to get a phone number from your the carrier that you use in Dubai. You just get on the internet like you're going to try to do anyway. And your, you know, charge app continues to work just the same way it would in the UK. When you come back to the UK, you get back on the internet. Your phone number works just like it would,、um, you know, before you left. What a fascinating solution to a, an absolute problem! And 
Uh, I'm actually seeing a lot of similar apps from the big carriers here in the UK as well. I know that Three, uh, the network that I'm on, has released an app where I could use it as a phone. Um, so I'm guessing they're coming into the market with these uh, cl- cloud-based solutions for phone numbers. Uh, are you seeing that in the U.S.? Not so much in the U.S. It is much more prevalent uh, abroad where pay-as-you-go plans have been the norm. You know, in most countries, 90 95% of people are on a non-contract pay-as-you-go prepaid plan. In America, that's kind of flipped. It's about 80% of people are, are, are paying postpaid and they're in some sort of two-year contract. So the carriers abroad are definitely trying to release apps that are similar to this. Um, we don't believe that they're any good at writing software, which we have evidence over many years to show that they aren't. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so <laughs> they're going to try to, you know, sort of nickel and dime you in the long run. And um, you know, we believe that having a real software company build something like this is what the future needs. So, Andrew, tell us a little bit about how you came up with this idea, because I'm assuming it wasn't a case of just walking down the street one day saying, right, that's it, I'm going to do this. There must be like some background to the story that, that you could help us with, because I think everyone listening to this, you know, has their own ideas, uh, but it's a case of trying to get these uh, into reality. Uh, I wondered what, what, how you actually ended up with this idea and, and uh, this company. Sure. It takes um, some time and planning usually, and, and a lot of persistence to to keep going with an idea. I think you're right that ideas, um, you can come up with them walking down the street, but often to actually convince somebody else to work with you on an idea or to go out and convince somebody to, to give you money to build an idea, um, it takes takes a little bit more planning and forethought. So the, the idea for this really started when um, my co-founder and I worked at Twilio together. Twilio is a developer platform for programming phone numbers, essentially. Uh, You can sign up at Twilio.com just as a regular developer and uh, get a phone number and then start sending messages and making phone calls to and from that number. That uh, was a very developer and business-oriented solution to sort of the same problem that, that we're trying to solve. We watched a lot of people build solutions to business phone problems on top of Twilio, but nobody was building uh, a viable consumer phone company on top of Twilio's platform. So this idea kind of, you know, the genesis of it kind of came out of that time at Twilio. I was there from 2010 to 2012, the end of 2012. Uh, And then, you know, seeing Google Voice not be developed as much as we thought it should be Um, just kind of led us to say, yeah, there is really going to be a need for this. The future of telecom is going to look more like um, webmail. And, you know, we should try to put something together to enter this market. Um, So it it takes, you know, sometimes a couple of years to find the right idea to really chart it out and to find the right people to work with, I think, is also uh, part of the struggle. Yeah, what I'm learning from you here, Andrew, is that it's really important to get yourself in a good company uh, like Twilio, you were saying. So if I'm listening to this and I'm at college and I'm wondering, you know, I want to go and maybe start my own company, a good strategy could be just work somewhere for a few years, make connections, uh, and then find out ideas. Uh, and then from there, you, you, you've you actually got more strength to then leave and uh, start your own thing. Is that something you would suggest? Absolutely. I think there's so much invaluable learning that happens 
when you watch a company go from 10, 20, 50 people to 100 or 150 and you have relationships and you can see the people doing a lot of that work, you can learn exactly what it's going to take for you to make that same leap. Um, and you get to do it with a little bit of, uh, you know, safety built in. You're not going to uh, get fired or go out of, you know, the company likely won't go out of business in the next six months. Um, so I would absolutely recommend uh, if you're interested in learning how to grow a business from, you know, one person to 50 people, uh, joining a company that's about 25 and seeing how seeing how it works is a great way to go. Yeah. Did you meet your co-founder there while at Twilio? Yeah, we actually also, uh, his name is Chris Goddard. We happen to also live in the same apartment building in San Francisco, which we didn't know before uh, we started working together at Twilio. What, wonderful. So you had this idea whilst working there and then there, there come, you come to a point where you, you had to you know, go for it. I, I mean, that's the biggest fear factor that so many people uh, struggle with, which is leaving to, to pursue uh, a startup or pursue their own idea. To talk us through that, that time and how you actually ended up get, overcoming that fear of leaving Twilio to do, do this own, this uh, project. Sure, it's um, this might not be a very popular view, but I I actually left Twilio without knowing for a fact this was the next thing that I would do. Um, that I I might be different from most people in that way. I sort of needed a clean break to be able to clear my mind and prepare for the next thing that I wanted. So in the end of 2012, I left Twilio. But I didn't start working on uh, the idea of charge uh, for another couple of months, um, which I think for me, I'm the type of person that I need to be able to focus on one thing and apply all of my brain power and all of my effort towards that one thing. Um, But that isn't necessarily uh, the safest way to go. So I, I think if you have built up some savings or um, have you know, a partner who's kind enough to to see through the early stages of an application development or a startup's development. Um, I, that that was what worked for me. Yeah, well, I'm the same story. I left without any idea what I was going to do. I just know that I had to get out uh, and change my uh, path. And uh, luckily, I had my partner who was uh, there for me and supporting me. And and, and she didn't leave her job, which uh, was quite handy. And uh, it, it makes the whole transition process uh, just a lot easier. But then did, did you go through kind of a, any change in mindset? Because when you're being used to a salary for you know a few years and then you have to get used to not knowing wh- where your income is coming from, did that take a while to adjust to? I'd been there before. So, and I think most people have, they just don't realize it. There's, you know, before you were in university or, or college, um, your parents sort of mostly took care of your housing and, and food and all that. But there is a time right after college when, you know, you spend a summer or, you know, maybe even longer trying to figure out what you're going to do next. Um, and, and so for me, I didn't worry too much about, you know, where my money would come from eventually or how I would uh, make a living. I always, you know, assumed that, if if what I was working on didn't work out, uh, I would go and, and try to find another job in a few months' time. 
You know, Andrea, I think you're on to something there. And I think that's incredibly inspirational for everyone listening who is worried about what's going to happen. Because you're right, when we leave home, uh, we we never face all those fears and we just get on with it, don't we, without worrying too much. And, And somehow we just survive, we carry on, we find opportunities. And and yet, when you then go and work, uh, like I did, for um, a company and you get used to a salary, then suddenly the risk escalates and you're like really worried that you're going to be homeless or, you know. Uh, and uh, that's what I feel people should, listening to this, should take from you is that it, it's not sometimes as risky because you've been there before. Right. And, you know, you may have to play a few mental tricks on yourself to convince yourself to, to sort of take that leap. Um, but one of them is, you know, if you're listening to this podcast, is it usually does work out. For most people, you will be able to find uh, another job eventually. It may not be the same job that you had before, uh, but you're probably going to be fine. And so then when you were working on Charge.co, did you get any funding for the startup and uh, or did you bootstrap this yourself? Uh, so we don't have uh, a product that generates any revenue yet. So it's impossible to bootstrap if you don't have revenue, I think. I feel safe in saying that. Um, we took us a long time to, to raise money, uh, but we did eventually bring on a few investors. We're very uh, lucky to work with some of the people who founded Google Voice uh, and a few other investors um, from you know out here in, in Silicon Valley, but also on the East Coast of the United States. Um, that was an interesting process that I'm that I'm happy I learned. Uh, we'd be happy to talk more about that. Yeah, that, well, let's learn. What's your biggest takeaways then from that whole experience of raising money? Uh, it takes a lot of time. There are no real secrets. Uh, you have to meet the right people, and meeting the right people just takes time. Um, you know, every once in a while, you're you'll get lucky and come across a person who really understands what you're trying to build and has the means to help you. Um, but meeting those people is fairly rare, so you have to sort of get yourself out there and talk to a lot of them, and you're going to be rejected a lot. But, uh, you know, there's a perseverance to it that you have to sort of have faith that the right person to work with you and to partner with you is out there. You just haven't met them yet. Yeah, and uh, in terms of meeting the right people, then, did you... Uh use any sort of tools or networking events uh, to help with that process? So this is what working at a a larger startup for a few years will help with. You'll meet a lot of people who along your journey through that, you know, other company, for me it was Twilio, who are now out starting their own companies uh, or who have become investors themselves or generally working on interesting tools that could maybe help you um, get exposure for your product. And so for me, I really was lucky to be able to leverage uh, my relationships that I formed at Twilio. Um, There are certain meetups that, you know, I haven't really explored fully um, that may actually be helpful as well. But, uh, you know, for me, it was all about um, is it, you know, do, who do I know who's close to this other person that I can try to get an intro through? And how did it feel when you actually got the backing, especially when you said that you had some uh, of the Google Voice guys? And that must have been incredibly um, sort of satisfying and, and exciting for you. 
Yeah, absolutely. It's a, you know, asking for the first check is the hardest thing. It's an uncomfortable thing to ask for large amounts of money, um, which is why I think being somewhere like San Francisco or Silicon Roundabout now, uh, someplace where people are accustomed to being asked for large sums of money and who understand the investment process and how to grow a business, uh, that's, that's a very valuable thing to be in one of these areas. But yes, asking for the first check is always scary. Um, after a while, it gets much easier and you sort of get used to the whole process and how to pitch someone. And you can tell, you know, in the first five minutes whether it's going well or not. And, and usually that uh, sort of helps put me at ease. Yeah. And in terms of like how you actually go out about and spend the money, uh, do you have any restrictions in the term sheet? Do you, do you um, are you able to uh, invest in the areas you feel appropriate? Are you able to pay yourself, for example, as well? Yeah, I mean, it, not being irresponsible with the money is one of the reasons most investors will give you the money is they know that you're, you know, smart enough or, or wise enough not to spend it all in one place. But, you know, mostly when you're building, you know, a software application uh, and, and you need to raise money, it's because you need to hire people to to supplement your own uh, efforts. So most, most of the money that we've, we've raised goes to paying salaries for our employees. And yeah, my co-founder and I, we pay ourselves a small salary as well now, which sort of compensates for the year that we, that, you know, we took without salary. Yeah, this is what I want to remind the Abster tribe listening to this right now is that, you know, even though you do raise money, it's, uh, you end up uh, investing that in the team before yourself sometimes. And that's just what it takes to get the idea um, you know, through. And that's what I'm learning from you. Yes, absolutely. So there's two more things we need to do before we say goodbye. One is that we love to try and give uh, the apps to try listening to this who are looking for ideas themselves, uh, uh, new ideas. And I wondered in your journey as an entrepreneur and an app uh, person, if you've come across any app ideas that, that uh, you think would make good business opportunities. Um, sure. There's, like, like I said earlier, there's ideas come to you sort of while you're walking down the street all the time. Um, whether any of these would turn into a real business or not depends on you and, and your ability to really focus and execute on how to actually take you know, some concept and turn it into reality. I think uh, I was talking to a friend of mine who works at Uber the other day, and you know, we came up with an idea that was uh, perhaps silly, perhaps works, I don't know. Um, what if you could have sort of an Uber for um, gasoline, so your, you know, your car might be close to running low, you don't really have time to go drive to a gas station. Um, what, what if there was sort of a roving fleet of gas cars that would just come deliver and fill up your, your car with gasoline, um, you know, obviously for a fee. That's, uh, you know, I don't know, one random idea that came to us while walking down well, the street. Andrew, it's a random idea, but I've got a story and I have to tell you, I'll never get an opportunity to tell the story again. And it's uh, uh, the other week I actually did almost run out of uh, gasoline or petrol, as we say. Uh, it was in Dubai. Uh, we were driving around with two, two cars and I was with my family in that. Uh, and we were driving for and it was on empty and, and fumes uh, and there was still no sign of any a gas station we're driving hopefully towards Abu Dhabi and then luckily uh, we met a local guy who um, 
said, oh, I'll sort you out. You know, and we parked up, ran out of fuel. And he went, got some gas and uh, filled up our car 20 minutes later and did not ask for a penny from us. Couldn't, I couldn't believe it. It was just like this generosity beyond belief. But it made me realize, like, how utterly stuck you get when you run out of fuel. Yes, absolutely. So, there, you know, you might say, OK, there's perhaps a market need for this. Um, what what are the positive attributes of such a product and, and what are the things that are going to be challenging? You know, how many people would actually use it? And you start to go through all of that analysis. OK, so if, is anyone listening? And I'll build an app with you uh, to target the Dubai company, uh, market because the, the queues on, on uh, I think, Friday were phenomenally large. I mean, we're talking about down, you know, out the courtyard, down the road. Uh, and I'm thinking, why are people spending an hour in a queue, you know, just get somebody to either drive the car to the fuel station for you, like some sort of Uber concierge service where your car is cleaned and refueled and you wake up in the morning and it is fully ready to go. You heard it here first on the App Guy podcast. It's a great idea. <laughs> um, wonderful. Andrew, you probably made someone very rich who's listening to this right now. Hopefully, yes. And, uh, yeah. Or maybe ten, you know, maybe a few years of heartache and pain trying to get the idea off the ground. That's the other alternative. Most likely, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're welcome. Uh, don't forget us when you uh, build that. Uh, Andrew, the last thing then is this is a show about apps and love to talk about apps. I uh, wondered if you had uh, one or two apps that you're using now on your smartphone that you could recommend to us, either in a business or a personal setting. Sure, yeah. We've... Um... We've sort of replaced email at charge with Slack now. Uh, if you use Slack, um, you'll know exactly what I mean. But uh, if you haven't, it's, it's a great sort of uh, IRC, web-based IRC. They also have mobile applications, allows you to do team chat um, in real time. And so that's, that's been a huge productivity gain for us. Is it still a private uh, company, Slack? Yeah, do you know? Yeah, uh, yeah, they've just raised a lot of money, but it is still private. If company. they ever IPO, I'm, I'll be the first investor because on my show, maybe a hundred episodes ago, it was all about Evernote, Evernote. Everyone was always mentioning Evernote, and and now it's always Slack. So I'm thinking that, that this is a phenomenally good opportunity, uh, and this could become yeah, the new for, Evernote for business communication. It's invaluable. Um, and the other thing. We, we use our own application quite a lot as well. Uh, that's more for social outings. You know, we have a text messaging application. You can download it uh, from charge.co. Uh, that's sort of new, and so we actively develop it. But, you know, every day we're, we're always chatting on that with, you know, our significant others or our friends. Wonderful. That's two app recommendations, one being your own. That's pretty good, Andrew. <laughs> we'll let you, we'll let you have that one. Have to plug the <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, if you're listening to this and you haven't downloaded charge.co, then you, what, what's stopping you? Download it now. And I'm guessing that's the best way to get in touch with you, Andrew. The best way of getting in touch is uh, download your um, app. And absolutely. Or, uh, you know, we have email is a great way to get in touch with us. Hello at charge.co. Uh, you can feel free to send any feedback our way. We are actively developing new features for the product. So if it doesn't do something you would like it to do. Uh, email, hello, mention, you know, my name, and uh, we'll try to get it done for you. 
Wonderful. Well, I, I highly recommend that everyone should do that. Th- thank you, Andrew, for joining us on the show. Uh, truly an inspirational episode. And I'm so thankful that you could share your insights, you know, into fundraising and uh, the long journey that it takes and the f- getting over the fear fact, all those wonderful golden nuggets you've left us. So thank you for joining us on the App Guy podcast. Thanks very much, Paul. Happy to do it. Romano listeners, go to theappguy.co to access the backlog of past interviews. I've got hundreds of interviews with startup founders, millionaires, entrepreneurs, and app developers, authors. It's a wonderful resource, and you'll get access to it. Uh, Initially, you can get it for free. Just go to theappguy.co and register, where you will then be able to access uh, off-air chats as well as past interviews. Thanks very much for listening.